What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 98 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I have been living without our Lord and Savior Jack Hughes for the last week and a half. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's going to have to live without his Lord and Savior Patrick Kane forever really, really soon. Frank, sorry. Yeah, I st- we'll discuss it. I still don't believe it. We'll, uh, we'll cross that big bridge when we get there. I'm not the only one. This isn't a me opinion. This is like almost becoming fact he legit thought he was going to the rangers i know and that's out of the question now yeah well he'd be an absolute howdy tom howdy tom sub skokes he would be a fool and so would the hawks and i will be very angry i will be so happy i don't know why you don't want your team to add extra assets for the future then it's all right yeah here we'll get to all that might not be a friendly conversation, but we will have a friendly conversation about what we witnessed in one of the greatest Super Bowls ever, Super Bowl LVI. I, I wrote LVI, but it's LVII in period number one. Welcome to period one, where we will recap what was one of the great Super Bowls in the history of the world. This was Super Bowl 57, and out of 57 Super Bowls, it was probably one of the five best games played between two teams ever. And, you know, both teams were outstanding. Both teams had points in the game where they were the lead dog of the game, and ultimately it came down to a game-winning field goal after a really dumb penalty. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Chiefs won the Super Bowl by a score of 38-35. to 35. They kicked the game-winning field goal with basically no time left on the clock. And for the second time in four years, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. They have been in the Super Bowl three of the last four years and five straight AFC title games. What's up? This is one of the best Super Bowls I've ever watched. It was yep. very good. It was entertaining. It had everything. It had comebacks. It had a lot of offense. Very little defense, which I guess a lot of people like that. I don't mind if the game's a little more on the defensive side, but it was very entertaining. 38-35 Chiefs comes down to a hold at the end of the game, which it was clearly a hold when they replayed it. You saw it was a hold. It's a shame that the game had to end like that. Um, And then ultimately the kneel down and then kicking the field goal with about 10 seconds left. That was a little sad, too, that it ended that way. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to win the Super Bowl, whether it's doing it that way and not pleasing the fans. They don't care. They just are worried about winning the Super Bowl. They don't care what we think. No, but the refs, that's bullshit that they threw a flag. But it was a hold. They, Dude, they set the precedent all game that they could do that. And, and, and then you're, you're going to throw and, that and flag. You're going to throw that flag on the final play of the game. 
And the NFL knows that, like you said, these are the refs that throw the most flags. So don't put these guys in the Super Bowl then. I understand that. But it was like the precedent wasn't set all game. And like they throw it on the last play of the game. It was a bullshit flag. There's Breaking news, Frank, there's holding on every play. Yeah, every but that was clear. Play. It was it was so I, I don't I'm not calling it clear. It was borderline. Was it the right call? Probably when you like really super mega zoom in on it, maybe. But to make that the game winning play in the Super Bowl, not a fan. Swallow your whistle. I don't know. It's not I agree to you. I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but then if that's the play, then there's like no rules in the last two minutes. Like if you don't want a play to be end on a flag, then I'm just gonna hold. And and see, th- but if it's an obvious hold, then you throw the flag. Something as tongue in cheek as that, nah. To, I don't know. To me, it was obvious when they showed the replay. The guys' like hands were around him. You watch that replay, and I'm you trying think to find a picture of it. You, you, no. Understand? I, I understand. He he held him. There's not. I'm not debating that. You watch that entire replay and tell me that Juju Smith-Schuster's route was impacted by the hold. He would have caught the ball if he didn't get held. No, no shot. Absolutely no chance. The ball was at the back of the end zone. The hold took place at like the Probably five to like ten yard line. It was. It was not blatant. Was it by definition? Aldo probably agrees with me. Was it by definition a hold? Yes, it was. The guy himself. Uh, I forget his. I'm drawing a blank on his name. The kid who made the hold. And he, he admitted, he's like, yeah, I held him. It's just a shame. I thought the refs would let it go. That's like, there are plays all game. There's holding on every play, every single play. And I do not think Smith Schuster makes the catch. If the hold is called, if the hold is, doesn't exist. Um, it was a route and a pass that you didn't match. He makes the catch. I do not think he makes the catch. The hold did not impact the play. And. You so know, you're saying if he wasn't held, he wouldn't have made the catch anyway. Yeah, he wouldn't have made it anyway. And I don't know. Like I said, was it a hold by definition? Yeah. But there are times and place for, you know, uh, flags to be called. Aldo says, that being said, the Eagles allowed a score to the Chiefs on every possession of the second half. The Eagles, D, lost the game. Couldn't agree more. We said, what do the Eagles need to do to win the Super Bowl? I picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. They need to shut down Mahomes. In the Chiefs' offense, we know the we know the Chiefs' offense isn't anything too special. We know the Eagles' offense is gonna eat a little bit in this game, but if they want to win, they got to shut down Mahomes. Do you know Mahomes had exactly one incompletion in the second half? I didn't know that. And it was an over it. It wasn't even like a true incompletion. It was him throwing the ball away. And so Mahomes, I think this is more Chiefs coming back than it is. Eagles choking, even though they blew a 10-point lead. It was because of the greatness of Patrick Mahomes in the second half. But uh, I I hated the way it ended. I hated the way it ended because the Chiefs probably still would have won. You know, they were getting themselves into field goal range, and you never know how the game uh, finishes anyway. But uh, that was just brutal. Brutal. I think if the ball wasn't going his way, there would have been no flag, obviously. I think Mahomes took advantage of the situation. Maybe he noticed that. He saw there was a little hold. I'll throw it in the direction. If I get the call, I get the call. I mean, I don't know what went through his mind either. And that very well could be the case because Mahomes was pointing at the play as it was happening. And he's like, hold, hold. But 
So that could be a good, that could be just all part of his plan as well. Yeah. You know what, Frank? It's similar to the Bengals Chiefs game. Was that a penalty at the end when he got hit out of bounds? Yes. Do I hate that they called it in that moment? Also, yeah. Yeah, but that was also clear. Like that was that was more clear than the hold. He uh, nailed I, him out of bounds. He <laughs> did. He did. And I, I just, I just, I don't like when the whistles decide the game. I don't, I don't either. You know. You know what else? Do you remember when the Commanders played the Eagles? And the Commanders yes. beat the Eagles. They the ended Commanders their win streak. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Heineke went down to like he went he went to give himself up, and the Eagles were going to get the ball back. It was like going to be fourth down, and the guy in the Eagles nailed him. He got um, roughing the pass or unnecessary roughness or whatever gave the Commanders the first down, and they ultimately ended up winning the game. Is that like that's the right call? It sucks that the game has to end that way, but that's it's the right call. You know what I mean? Yeah, listen, I that I agree with for two reasons. One, it's a regular season game. And two, the main goal is to protect quarterbacks a lot of the time. Correct. And so they're they're going to call you look at a quarterback funny, they're calling it no matter what time of game it is. I just don't like that they're like penalties and rules shouldn't be situational. Like in eight seconds left in a basketball game, the guy goes up and hacks, but you don't want to call free throws because you know you, the game's over then. I hate that. Call a uh, foul a foul. Call a penalty a penalty. Then it has to be set. It has to be set. Like at the beginning of the season, it has to be a precedent that that's the case because there is situational refereeing. There is. And it's stupid. Uh, I don't uh, like that. Uh, you, you don't have to, but the fact that we've gone all season long. Um, how about on the play where Jalen Hurts fumbled? There was a clear face mask on Jalen Hurts. The, the fumble should have never counted, and the Eagles would have never had a defensive touchdown. Well, I, I agree that that should be reviewed. I think pass interference should be reviewed. I think face mask should be reviewed. Yeah, and but then you're talking about five-hour football games. Well, I mean, if it's something like that blatant, though, you don't review everything. Yeah. It's like I, you don't review every hold if there's a hold. So, And so that leads me to my point. There's no perfect science with this stuff. There's That's just right. not. You got to deal with it. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm allowed to be upset that the game ended on a BS flag. Do I know how to fix the problem? No, I don't. Do I think it should have? Would I have thrown a flag with 30 seconds left in the Super Bowl on a borderline hold? No, I wouldn't have. But we had the flag happy crew. We knew that coming in even though JP didn't hit the over on the f- number of flags thrown. He was happy about the flag. Yeah, he was happy <laughs> about it. He would have been okay with three flags there, even if they were all BS. But that's what happens when you gamble. Um, but, yeah, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Frank, the Eagles had a 10-point lead. What happened? It was a mental collapse. It's Their defense has been the star of the show the whole season. Lane Johnson. Fantastic. Talked about him a lot last year or last year, last podcast. And they had no defense in the second half. Like Aldo said, they allowed a score on every possession of the Chiefs in the second half. Um, That's just, that can't happen. I mean, you got a 10 point lead. You're 30 minutes away from a Super Bowl, your second Super Bowl in the last, what, five, six years? That just can't happen. So does my point stand, have any, does it resonate with you at all? Mahomes had one incompletion in the second half. Like he would have sliced up every defense in the league playing like that. Probably. Came That's back just classic points. Mahomes, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I expect that from him. He makes these unbelievable miracle plays, whether he's on the run, you think he's going to get sacked, you think he's just going to throw it away, and then Kelsey's open, or Juju Smith-Schuster, or Pacheco, just somebody's open all the time. Like, you think, it, it's different. When he rolls out, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So fair, I'm not surprised. Fair. So this is his second Super Bowl in his third appearance. Yeah. Um, he has the same number of Super Bowls. Um, more touchdowns, less interceptions, more passing yards than Tom Brady did at 27 years old. Is he starting to accelerate himself into this conversation of the GOAT? He's definitely the best quarterback in the league now, for sure. Um, that would have been argued a little bit. Is Burrow better than Mahomes if Burrow would have beat him again? I mean, you mentioned that, too. You said it would have been in the conversation. Those were your words. Yeah, in the conversation. I wouldn't put him there. Um, I still think he's in the conversation. And I think the, now he's like, he's I'm pretty high up on Josh Allen. I think Mahomes is like, world's better. I think he's in his own class now. I got to admit, like, I don't know. <laughs> I would put Joe Burrow second. And the reason I have him in the same. So I, I would take Mahomes far and away. I do think he's world's better than both Burrow and Allen. I think Burrow in crunch time has Mahomesian clutchness. Mm -hmm. He has the ability to make big plays when it matters most, and that's why I would give him the tick above Josh Allen, above Jalen Hurts, above Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, whoever you want to throw at me, uh, Herbert, you know, all these elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I would put Burrow second because he has that Mahomes ability to, like, when I need you to be elite, you're elite. And that happens with Mr. Burrow. So, you know, but Mahomes, I've had this conversation. What does he need to do to be the GOAT? You know, like a long term. Does he need seven rings like Tom Brady? Does would one have to come with another team to prove it's not the Chiefs way? Um, you know, he'll probably have better regular season statistics. So if he has five Super Bowls instead of seven, but he breaks Tom Brady's passing yard record and throws for more touchdowns and has fewer interceptions, and I, I think he does start in – I mean, he's if he were to retire today, he'd be in the Hall of Fame at 27 years old. I do believe that. And there are very few players who ever are Hall of Famers before they turn 30. Mahomes is one of them. You know, we're a, we're a hockey show first and foremost. We talk about McDavid in the same light. Uh, it's it's a little less individualistic when it comes to winning than it is for a quarterback because the quarterback has more influence. But I think he is absolutely in a league of his own right now. I mean, yeah, he's like S tier. He's it's his own tier. It's the Mahomes tier. Um, there's going to come a time where Andy Reid retires. He's not going to, I don't think he'll be with Mahomes through his whole career. Maybe it's a possibility, but I think after Andy Reid retires, because Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach, now 29 and three coming off a of bye, un unbelievable. He'll be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. When he retires, I think we get a better idea of Mahomes' potential. Could Mahomes do it without Andy Reid? At that point, is Mahomes even on the Chiefs? I don't know. I don't know the mindset of Andy Reid, if he plans on retiring soon, if he wants to go another 15 years. I don't know. Um, but I think that also has like Tom Brady had built Belichick for a lot of his career for most of his career. But then after he went to the Bucks, won a Super Bowl, it's like, could you do that without a Hall of Fame coach? It's possible. 
I mean, I think Mahomes is going to be great no matter where he goes. If he were to get traded today, I agree with you. Like, if he was drafted by the Bears, he wouldn't be the Mahomes that we see today. But if he goes to the Bears now, he's already developed. He's already got, you know, that he's learned how to be an elite quarterback. So I think no matter where he goes going forward in his career, he's going to be elite. Um, He's definitely in the conversation for one of the greatest players of all time. I will say this. Everyone gives Andy Reid so much credit for Patrick Mahomes, and he it's well-deserved. He's one of the greatest play designers in the history of the NFL. But before Patrick Mahomes came along, Andy Reid was that coach who always got to the big game. He was in NFC Championship games with the Eagles and even was in a Super Bowl with the Eagles. And with the Chiefs, they made it really far, but they could never get over the hump. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful boy, Patrick Mahomes, comes into his life. And now he goes from being the most underachieving coach of all time to people saying he's the GOAT. Well, who who was the uh, who was the quarterback before Mahomes? It was um, Alex Smith. Yeah, th- th- he injured his leg or whatever. Remember, he had that bad injury. And... Yeah, but he did that with the R words. But Alex Smith was like not on the level of Patrick Mahomes, but he was still able to get to those big games, which is impressive that you're able to still get there with the quarterback, like significantly worse than Patrick Mahomes. So to me, it's like Andy Reid was missing that better quarterback because he still proved that you could not have the talent and still make it to those big games. It's just winning in those big games. is hard because you don't have the talent, but still getting there. That's impressive. He had good talent with the Eagles. Yeah, I don't remember him on the Eagles. Oh, you? I remember him very vividly on the Eagles. That's where, that's where you know he had issues with game clock management, especially with the Chiefs early on. There were a lot of like, "Hey, is Andy Reid ever going to be able to win the big one?" And I like Patrick Mahomes deserves most of the credit. I'm sorry, everyone. Everyone always wants to, you know, was it Belichick or was it Brady? The Belichick people, though, they were so far proven wrong by now. And they'll they'll take their argument to the Chiefs now and try to take credit away from Patrick Mahomes. But there's a reason Andy Reid was the choker coach before Mahomes came along. And now he's there and people are talking about Andy Reid as the GOAT. And listen, Andy Reid is one of the GOATs. He's probably gotten himself onto the coaching Mount Rushmore in NFL history now. And it's a lot to do with his offensive schemes and how he's able to get Kelsey wide open and turn Patrick Mahomes loose and allow him to do what he does. So um, this guy says, I thought the Chiefs would lose the Super Bowl because of exactly what you are saying. Yeah, well, Patrick Mahomes was on another level in the second half. He didn't even really have all that good of a Super Bowl. And I guess that could pivot us into our next topic. Jalen Hurts was incredible. He outdueled Patrick Mahomes the entire game. Well, like we both agree. Sure, Jalen Hurts is probably top six-ish now. I think I would rank him exactly at sixth. He came second in MVP to Mahomes. And all 32 GMs in the league would take Mahomes going forward than Jalen Hurts. But he was better than Mahomes on Sunday. He just was. He had more yards. He was more efficient. He was better in the first half. Um, he didn't needed to. He didn't need to be as elite as Mahomes was in the second half in order for his team to win, but the defense of the Eagles let Jalen Hurts down in the second half, and it it wasn't even necessarily that they let him down. I truly think the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because of 
the fact that they showed this marvelous ability to come back. And they had longer than 15 minutes to make halftime adjustments while um, Rihanna was announcing to the world that she was pregnant. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid were going over how they were going to come back in this game. And it's a lot different in the Super Bowl. You have way more time to draw up some stuff that works. And that's what happened for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And I'm happy for them. And why were the Chiefs able to come back? What do I always tell you on this show, no matter what sport we talk about? Experience triumphs over everything. They have the experience of being there. They have the experience in the big games. When was the last time a team with no experience has won something major? I wouldn't say the Eagles have no experience, though. I didn't say no experience, but they have the, the Chiefs being in the AFC Championship five years in a row. Experience. They have more experience in bigger games. Jalen Hurts was drafted in 2020. Mahomes has been around since, what, 2018? 2017. Yeah, I, drafted. There's experience. Andy Reid, experience. Nick Sirianni's not experienced in a Super Bowl. Not as a head coach. Right. That's He's different. Been in the Super Bowl many times. Think about all the teams who won championships. The Hawks when they won their championships. The Pittsburgh Penguins. The Tampa Bay Lightning. They have experience in those things. The Golden State Warriors winning championships. Why haven't the Phoenix Suns won a championship? Well, because they just started getting good recently in the past five or so years. Well, yeah. Why are the Celtics always in the championship? Well, the Celtics are the team that's always got experience. Why are the Bruins always good? They got experience. <laughs> you don't. There's no stories of these young teams winning championships. I hear what you're saying. I I just I look up and down the Eagles roster, and a lot of those guys were there in 2017, like their offensive line, the Kelseys, and stuff like that. And Sirianni, he's uh, Andy Reid's product. Like he was on that coaching tree. So, but their most important players, Hertz, Brown, they weren't there. Yeah. Sirianni, the coach, that's a key point. He wasn't there. I'm telling you, experience triumphs over a lot. It's very important. There's no doubt. I just, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the Eagles. I know they lost. I picked them to win, but I was impressed with the way they played. They impressed me more in the Super Bowl. I'll give them credit. Yeah. They, they were, you know, they got crap for their schedule this year. Well, they didn't make it, right? This isn't college. They didn't make their schedule. They just destroyed everyone that was in their way, and they're clearly the best team in the NFC. I think if the 49ers got a quarterback, they would have been. But guess what? They didn't have a quarterback. That's part of the team. So, you know, the edge went to the Eagles. They smoked them. Um, I don't know. So I'll ask you, where does each team go from here? Well, you look at the Chiefs, and to me, they're always a contender. Every year, the Chiefs will always be a favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. As long as um, you got Kelsey, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes, the three-headed dragon. As long as they're on the team, I think they're always at least the top three favorite to win the Super Bowl, guaranteed. Um, so as, as far as next year goes, they're probably going to win the division. They're going to contend. They'll make the playoffs. They're going to be that contender. Now, now for the Eagles, Eagles is a little bit different, and that's just because of the curse of the NFC East. <laughs> no team has repeated as NFC East championships a champion since 2004. Is that going to play into effect this year? Are the Cowboys going to be a little bit better, or are the Eagles going to fall off a cliff uh, and not win it? Or are they going to prove us wrong because of the team they had this year? But are they going to win it? But you, you look at teams who make it to the Super Bowl, and then the next year it's like kind of falter off a little bit, right? The Bengals made it. They were better this year, the Bengals. 
didn't get back there. The Rams won the Super Bowl, didn't even make the playoffs. Is that going to happen with the Eagles? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if another team in the NFC East won the division. I, I strongly believe in trends like that. that like, eventually it's going to end. It's not going to go 72 years without a repeat winner or something crazy like that. But, I mean, it's definitely something you have to take into consideration. Is it a mental thing now? Is it a mind game? Because now it's starting to get in players' heads. Like, all right, we have a lot of pressure on our backs. We, we almost won the Super Bowl. We were a half hour away from winning the Super Bowl with a 10-point lead. We have to come out swinging next year. Does that happen? I don't know. Yeah, I normally like these trends too. Like I was telling you, the NFL's passing leader was 0-11 in Super Bowls all time. Now they're 1-11. You know, th- those types of trends do end sometimes. Um, I do think the Eagles are going to win the AF, uh, NFC East next year because the Cowboys are going to take a step back. I think they'll, they'll, they might be right there, but I just think another year of Jalen hurts. We'll see what moves they make in the off season. People are going to want to go play there now after what they saw this year there, they'll, they'll probably be a hot free agent destination. Um, the Cowboys are dysfunctional. Um, I'm not a Dak Prescott believer. I am a Jalen hurts believer. Um, the Giants, I don't really make much of, you know, they had a good year. They're building. They'll be, be- better again. But, and then the Commanders always kind of hang around. So, you know, it's an interesting division. It, could a team beat the Eagles by a game next year in the division? Yeah, I could see it. But I think the Eagles are built to go farther in the playoffs, regardless of how that goes. But they were the number one seed this year. So, you know, it'll, it'll also depend on, you know, just, Jason Kelsey retired, you know, do they start losing guys off their offensive line? That'll make a big impact. Um, so I do think the Eagles are in a good spot. The NFC as a whole is weak. I do think the 49ers are going to do something to address the quarterback problem. Um, Cause it's not Brock Purdy. And, you know, I'm not positive. It's Trey Lance. I'm sure he'll get a shot. I'm sure Brock Purdy will get a shot. I don't think either of them are going to take it. Um, you know, do they trade or do they go for someone like Derek Carr? who just became available. Are they going to trade for Lamar Jackson? Okay, maybe Aaron Rodgers. He's, he went to Cal. Like, maybe he wants to play for the 49ers. There are all sorts of ways that they could go, but I do think the Eagles are one of the two best teams in the NFC entering next year. And then the Chiefs will just be part of that five-team battle again in the AFC next year. And if they don't make it back to the Super Bowl, that doesn't mean they weren't equally as good. I just think that highly of the AFC. The uh, Burrow and the Bengals. Allen and the Bills, uh, Lawrence and the Jaguars only lost to them by seven. And I still think the Chargers are pretty good because they have a very good quarterback. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. If he goes to the Jets or the Dolphins, I all of a sudden think one of those teams will be, you know, elevating themselves in the AFC. The AFC is brutal compared to the NFC. And so is it a lock the Chiefs make it back next year? No, especially even to the AFC championship game. I would probably bet on it. But I also it's it's not impossible for the Chiefs to go into next year, have a tough game two out of three times to two of the Chiefs or two of the Bengals, Bills and Jaguars, who they have to play just by finishing in first place. And then you're a second seed instead of a one seed and you have to play the AFC championship game on the road or something like there are all sorts of things that could happen. But I think each team more than most Super Bowls, because last year. Going into the super or going into the season, we were like, okay, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. 
they're the two teams that were in the Super Bowl the year before. I think they're both going to get back to the playoffs and make a run. Well, lo and behold, they both lost on Championship Sunday after being in the Super Bowl the year before. The Chiefs lost to the Bengals, and the Bucks lost to the Rams. Well, going into this year, I think a lot of people agreed if one of the two Super Bowl teams were to take a step back, it would be the, the winner, the Rams, not the loser, the Bengals, because the Bengals have Joe Burrow, and he's an elite quarterback now, and their roster is awesome. I kind of feel the same way about this Super Bowl as I did more about the Buccaneers one than last year's. I think both teams will be back in the playoffs next year with a legit chance of getting back. Very interesting. We got... Hopefully the NFC is Bears-Eagles for the next several years. The NFC is so weak at QB. It's right there for Justin to take. Yeah, if they don't trade him. I mean, I heard someone tweeted today that at least one general manager in the NFL believes that Justin Fields will be traded by the Bears. I don't see it personally, but I also wouldn't be shocked at anything that goes on. Um, the Chicago Bears are the Chicago Bears, man. Putting them in the same category with the Eagles is... Scary. Don't. I do think the Bears take a step forward next year. I mean, regardless, when, I mean, it's hard to take a step back. Uh, yeah, if they win four games, they take a but step I'm, forward. I'm saying, like, I think they're about eight and nine, nine and eight next year. That's where I got them right now. I'm predicting them. You're a bold man. You're a bold man. I'll take heat for it. I'll I'll take heat for it again next year, like I did this year. Unless I see something big, we're looking at another top five pick the following year. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their roster sucks. They suck. And they're not going to play. They're not going to play the first six games of the season with Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn like they did this year. And they were two and three. And everyone will, oh, man, if they beat the Packers, then maybe they'll make the playoffs. Three eight and, and nine. 14. Or nine and eight. Eight and nine or nine and eight. Tom Brady coming in his prime. You'll see. I'll be stunned if they're that good. Stunned. I mean, not that good. I mean, it's all right. Eight, it's... nine, not even 500. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You're like that good. I mean, it's not that good. For the Bears, that would be really good. If they go eight and nine next year, Frank? I think so. I think People are going to be talking work. Super Bowl the following year. And I think it's coming in the next five, ten years for sure. I think it's a possibility. I have at this point in time. No reason to have any optimism about the Chicago Bears. They're going to get a great first round pick. They're, they're going to trade. I know, but, trade they're, but they're going to get a first round pick. They're going to trade it for the, whoever they traded to their first round pick. Yeah. I mean, it could be the Colts at four, yeah. which is what I right. personally think is going to happen. Which and I, then if they take Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama, okay, they couldn't win with Khalil Mack. You're going to get another edge rusher. Get another edge rusher to let the rest of the team around him squander. Yeah, I agree with Sayordi. Hopefully a few first-round picks, which is a possibility. You don't know what goes on. No, they'll get at least two. Exactly. They're going to have a very they're going to have a very good draft this year. The, yeah, they might. I'm not saying they're not going to. Just next year, you're not going to see the fruits of their labor yet. I just, I don't know. Eight and nine, to me, that's fair. That's a fair prediction. I wish I saw it that way Shorty. because Shorty. there's Shorty. there's oh it's pronounced Shorty, Mister yeah. Shorty. Yeah. I can't see them being better than Green Bay. They're not going to be better than the Vikings, and they're not going to be better than the Lions. And show me a last place division where they're 
or show me a, a division in the NFL where the team in last place was nine and eight. So everything happened. Anything could happen. Anything could happen except the Bears doing anything to make me think they're going to be any better than five and twelve next year. Um, which is also pushing it. The only thing they have on their side is a last place schedule. Um, what is the, your most exciting NFL offseason storyline? Should be exciting to see uh, Sean Payton on the Broncos. I think they needed a coach desperately. That was one of their biggest flaws this year. It's not having correct coaching in their organization. Sean Payton's going to bring that. I love Sean Payton. Um, it should be interesting to see if he could indeed turn the Broncos franchise around a little bit. Um, I don't know necessarily if that's exactly what they're missing to be this all-star level team that everybody predicted that they would be this past season. Um, but I do ultimately see a improvement for them as well. Uh, also, does Aaron Rodgers go back to Green Bay? Is he going to retire? Does he find a new home? That should be interesting as well. We'll have to see. Very good. Very good. For me, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Two and six to start this season. Went seven and two down the stretch to make it to the playoffs as the AFC South champions. Were trailing by 27 at halftime in their first playoff game and came all the way back and won. They beat them. They only lost to the Super Bowl champion Chiefs by seven. And they're coming into next year with a first place schedule on the dock. But I do think there's a chance that with some smart moves made this offseason, the Jaguars will be one of the more exciting teams in the league. Um, and I do believe away from the Jaguars, there will be at least one major quarterback change because there has been in each of the last three off seasons in 2020, um, Tom Brady made the switch from the new England Patriots to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2021, Matthew Stafford made the big move from the Detroit lions to the, um, Los Angeles Rams, and in 2022, Russell Wilson made the big move from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. Those are three Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks switching teams. Russell was terrible. The other two were awesome, but you know that doesn't take away previous accomplishments. I think that's going to happen this year. I'm not sure the Ravens are going to keep Lamar Jackson, not because they don't want to, because they're not going to be able to. If he goes to Miami, that's an elite quarterback switching teams. Um, Jimmy G's not elite, but he's good enough to win. If he went to a team like the Jets, I think, you know, that's going to be an interesting trial. I think the New York Jets in general are an interesting team to follow this offseason because they have a very good roster without a quarterback. And as long as they don't have a dweeby coach and they make a good quarterback decision, they could be more like the Rams and less like the Broncos. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And very much looking forward to that. Um, I hope my assessments about the Bears are wrong. But most cap space in the NFL, they're heeing and hawing about Justin Fields. Brian Poles didn't draft him. They're going to trade him. They're not going to trade him. The team stinks. They have nothing. They basically are starting from scratch. They have a couple nice pieces. They have like five to ten pretty good players, and the rest of the roster is trash. And all this cap space and all these draft picks, a lot of them are going to have to hit for them to be better than a five-win team next year. But we'll be there along the way with them. 
So can't wait for the off season. It's going to be an interesting off season. Do you have a team in mind that makes a trade with the Bears for the first pick? Are you in agreement with me that it'll be the Colts? I have two. Colts is one of them, and the other one's the Texans. Uh, oh no, ooh. not the Texans. Why? No, 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 not the Texans. I'm thinking of. Uh, I mean, I guess it could be, but Texans are two, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade with the Texans. Who who came in fourth? I'm drawing a blank. The Colts. Who came in third? The Cardinals. No. Who was fifth? There was another team. I'm drawing a blank. Or is it the Raiders? that you're thinking of? Because the Raiders could use a quarterback. The Panthers. Maybe it was the Texans, but I don't really think they're going to the Texans make are two. I don't they, think they, they're going to just trade down one. I, I do think they're going to draft whichever quarterback isn't taken at one. Exactly. That's why they're... Yeah. I don't think so. The only way I could see the Texans doing it is if they like one of the two quarterbacks significantly more than the other. I think it's going to be the Colts. I actually was talking about it today, and I said it was going to be the Colts. Yeah, I'm thinking Colts too. but I guess Texans maybe, but I doubt it. There was another team I'm thinking about. Maybe it was like the eighth-place team. When I hear the, it, I'll know. It's not the Raiders? It could be. Seattle, Detroit, I don't think they're trading up for a quarterback this year because um, Goff had a good year. Everyone liked what Geno Smith did this year. Um, if I remember, they were heavy. Come on. Come on, Shorty. F- seven and eight. Who was seven and eight? Because I remember it was being, it was fairly. The Raiders are seven. Maybe it was the Raiders. It could the have Ra- been the Raiders because they, cut, they Derek cut Derek Carr. Yeah. Sorry, maybe it was the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, those are my two teams, too the Raiders and the um, Colts. I'm a little wondering if, uh, oh, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, right? Atlanta. That could have been a. The Atlanta Falcons need a quarterback, too. It could have been Atlanta I was thinking of. Yeah, and yeah. They, took a, they took a high draft pick on Kyle Pitts all those years ago, and they got nobody to throw to him now. So they absolutely yeah. could be a team that trades I think up. it was Atlanta. Atlanta yeah. or the Colts for me. I would go Colts and Raiders for sure, because unless the uh, Raiders trade Devontae Adams and they just start a true rebuild, which is possible. But – what an NFL season it was, eh? It was fun. Sad it came to an end. A lot to look forward to at the tail end of 2023. Absolutely. I'm so excited for the draft, too. I think we should have a little draft party. Yeah, especially since the Bears have, like, the most involvement this year with trading yep. the pick away, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we can. We should. Yeah, Absolutely. But Frank, the season is over. The Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. The Eagles are the runners up and both are in for a very good offseason. I expect both to be back next year and we'll be talking football all offseason long. But, you know, it'll take a short break on this show, obviously, because we got the hockey playoffs coming up and the trade deadlines in a couple weeks. We're going to have some hard conversations over the next two or three weeks. Um, Blackhawks fans are still in denial, I can see. Um, we'll, we'll get to all that. Um, we'll get to all that actually right now in period number two. Welcome to period two where we will move into the NHL. The St. Louis Blues fans were in denial for a long time too, but they saw their hopes and dreams come to an end as Vladimir Tarasenko was traded away to the New York Rangers. He scored a goal 
within the first three minutes of his first game with the Rangers, playing with his very good friend, Artemi Panarin, on their top line in New York, with Minka Zabanajad on the top line with them. It's a great line. Frank, what is your takeaway of Tara Sank's show moving to New York? Um, yeah, I mean, him going to New York basically prohibits Kane from going there because there's no reason you need two wingers of that caliber going to New York. It's not going to happen. Um, scores in his first game had no impact in game number two. None. Not a shot on goal. Not a plus minus. Zeros everywhere except time, uh, time on ice. Um, but, I mean, that's the year he's been having. He's been having a down year. He's what? He's got like 11 goals this year. Um, he's not having a Vladimir Tarasenko type caliber season. And people might argue like, oh, it's because he was on the Blues. The Blues aren't having that good of a year either. But great player. It's a great addition for the Rangers to add some depth, scoring depth potentially. Maybe he could get things going in the second half of the season with the Rangers on a better team. We'll see. Very interesting move by the Rangers, though. Absolutely. Um, Tarasenko, good player. The Blues stunk. He wasn't a good situation. He goes to the Rangers. He scores right away. Don't care about the second game. He's going to have points with the Rangers coming up here. It's not like he's going to be dry playing in that top six. Um, uh, the Rangers make a big move, and I'm not surprised. Tarasenko, he's having a bad year. He's still having a better year than Patrick Kane. Um, you know, at least he tries to backcheck. And he has chemistry with Panarin. You might remember when they played each other in the playoffs in 2017 and Panarin's Hawks lost to the Tarasenko's Blues and they were crying together in the line, having a little well, tummy sticks. He's got more points this year, but yeah, he's got more goals. Two goals. Yeah, two he's, extra got, goals. he's got more goals and he plays a better all-around game lately too. I was watching some Patrick Kane highlights this year, Frank, and I'm like, this is the definition of points are and everything. Um, and that's why he needs out. Um, but yeah, Tarasenko, he makes the Rangers better. They're a Stanley cup contender as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. Um, speaking of Stanley cup contenders, a team just over the river announced that Jack Hughes was going to be week to week. It's the lower end of week to week and he's missed three games. They've gone two Oh and one without him, but they played like complete dog shit in those three games and still somehow found a way to win. And they need Jack back. I do believe he'll be back in their next game on Thursday. If he's not in their next game on Thursday, he will for sure play on Saturday and Sunday. But week to week became all week really quickly, and mm -hmm. that's good news for the Devils. It is good news for the Devils because originally they said week to week could miss two weeks potentially, which would be a total of eight games. If that was the case, right now, I, I guess you're glad that this happened now and not missing playoff time if there was a time to happen, right? They're going to need him for the playoffs if they want to make a run. He's been sensational. Luckily, only being 21 years of age, the injury is not going to impact him as much. He'll recover a lot quicker. Um, he's third in the league with goals right now, 35 goals, ninth in the league with points with 67 points. He's having a great year, and the Devils need this man on their team if they want to you know, make a run. They've gone 2-0-1 without him, but not having him in their lineup significantly hurts their chances of winning the Metropolitan Division. They need him. With him in their lineup, they're a better team overall. Um, I'm sure you completely agree with that. And we'll see where it happens in this Metropolitan Division race. Yeah, I actually don't think the Devils are going to win the Metro anyway. I think Jack could have 110 points, and they're still not going to win the Metropolitan Division. I just think it's Carolina's got that 
lead and it's going to be hard to for any team to come back on them at this point i think carolina is going to win the metro but that doesn't mean much don't really care about winning the metro i care about making the playoffs um the devils are good enough team to win a couple games here and there without jack i do believe he would be playing if it were the playoffs and because i think he hurt himself at the all-star game when brady kachuk dragged him down and he played the next day against vancouver well, why would he be motivated to play against the Canucks? So he could play against his brother. And right after that game, that's when the Devils were like, all right, we're going to shut you down for a week or two. And they have. He's fine. Like, I could not be less worried about an injury than, you know, your team's superstar. And so, you know, 2-0-1 without him, they could have used him in that shootout against these wild. But, you know. Shit happens. Every player misses. No, no player really ever plays eighty-two games. Um, that's just so rare. Yeah, they should be getting them back soon. It'll help them out a lot, and we'll see how much of a run they can make in the postseason. Absolutely. So the other night, I'm watching the Ottawa Senators play against the Calgary Flames, and the Calgary Flames are winning three to one, and Ottawa pulls their goaltender. And scores two goals in 27 seconds with their goalie pulled to get the game tied. And then one Tim Stutzla scores in overtime to give the Sens the comeback victory. And Stutzla had an assist on all three regulation Senators goals in that game. Comes back the next day, scores a goal again on Tuesday. This guy is here. He has arrived. He he arrived a long time ago, but he is just really, really becoming a great player. Him and Brady Kachuk are going to be 1-2 on this team and scoring for a very long time. I think Kachuk might have one more point than him right now, or they might be exactly tied. I'm not positive. But Stutzla is amazing, and I it's one of the few things in life I've ever been right about. Um, that's not true, especially with hockey. But, you know, in 2020, everyone knew Lafreniere was going to go first. I wanted the Kings to take Stutzel a second. I wasn't buying the Byfield hype. I wasn't as impressed. And lo and behold, if that draft were to be redone, Stutzel would probably go one to the Rangers, let alone two to the Kings. And guys like Lucas Raymond and Maurice Sider and Dawson Mercer would probably all go ahead of Lafreniere and Byfield, to be honest with you. But... You know, it is what it is. Stutzla is a senator. What are your thoughts? He's the hottest player post-All-Star break in the NHL right now. He's got six points post-All-Star break. I mean, this, this kid is unbelievable. He's young, which obviously you look for when you're building a team. I mean, you got great players around you to play with as well. They're on the up-and-coming. They probably have one of the brightest futures, I would say. Um in their organization. I think they're going to be better in the next handful of years. We thought maybe they could be a surprise this year. They were one of our surprise teams. Um, it's coming. The Ottawa centers are going to be back to winning ways. Eventually we'll see them in the postseason within the next couple of years, maybe next year, maybe two years. Um, if Ryan Reynolds purchases the senators too, I mean, this organization is just going to completely take a 360. but Stutzla has been phenomenal post all-star break. Um, they got bright future ahead for this kid in Ottawa. 
Who's the best defenseman on the Ottawa Senators? Shabbat! Shabbat! <laughs> Frank, give me your stupid Hawks update. They're horrendous. What do you need an update for? They can't score. They lost all their ability to score. People thought when they went 4-2 and two out of the, in that six-game stretch, like, uh-oh, are they going to hurt their chances of the last pick? Since then, they've lost four out of the last five games. Like I said, they can't score. They got shut out to the Montreal Can- uh, Canadiens. Um, the biggest – why are you laughing? Is that funny to you that they suck? Is it you know, funny to you that I'm it's in not, pain? It's like, not funny you like that you're in, in pain? pain. I think it's funny that you're in pain. Like, I honestly – you, you, you people, you make no sense. It's you no Blackhawks fans, you make no sense. None of you make sense whatsoever. You're in pain. You're in pain. pain. You have a chance to get one of the best players ever. Like, what are you in pain about? Why if, do you, it was, like, if it was you, guaranteed, I wouldn't be in pain. It's not a guarantee. You got Adam Fantilli or Leo Carlson. It still makes your I'm team better going forward I'm long term. What happened the when you added Patrick Sharp? The biggest threat for last place for the Oza. Chicago Blackhawks are the Blue Jackets. Luckily, the Blue Jackets are scoring more thanks to Goudreau. So that helps. I'm in pain. I'm in pain. Crazy pain. I don't like what I'm. Not, I'm not like you, where I just I I sit there enjoying watching them lose. I know it's for their benefit, but I don't enjoy it. I don't watch the games and be like, "Oh, this is fantastic." Let up 55 goals. That's not how I watched it either. When it was the Devils, it but was it's like, not fun. Like it, I don't. I don't care. It's, it's not fun. fun to watch. Like, why are they losing? Like, and I'm not sitting there. Let's go Rangers. <laughs> Let's go Flyers. Capitals. Ovechkin has another hat trick against the Devils. But I'm Let's not go. happy at the end of the day. That I'll I be understand. happy in the future. Okay, I get that. But like when you're watching the Hawks stink, be like, okay, what guys on this current team can I, you know, map out as part of the team in the long term? Can they, you know, make something of Connor Murphy's future? Are they going to trade him? What is going to become of Jake McCabe? Wow, when he's skating around, I can think to myself, they they could get a second or third for him. Okay, I'm watching Michigan play right now. Fantilli, he's outstanding. The Hawks might get him if they don't get Bedard. Oh, Frank Nazar made his season debut last week. He's incredible. You know, the Hawks took a mid-first round for a reason. Oh, what does he do in his first game with Michigan? He scores his first goal of the season right away. And that's so much fun. And, you know, the, the, the fact that his D pair could be Korchinski next year or the year after. And like, you're sitting there watching freaking Jason Dickinson be your second line center or something. And you're going, wow, Jason Dickinson, that guy stinks. Hopefully the Hawks lose this one so that, you know, my second line center can be Fantilli or maybe we can add, Connor Bedard to be our top line right wing to play with Lucas Reichel. Hey, what's going on with Lucas Reichel? Let's check Rockford scores. It's not sitting there actively rooting for freaking St. Louis or Montreal, whoever the Hawks are freaking playing that day. That's not what it's about. It's about like in those games, you just kind of watch blindly. Like whatever happens, happens here. But like pain, pain. If there was a year to be stinky, it's right freaking now. It's right now. You know what teams I feel sorry for? The teams right in the middle. New York Islanders, okay, Calgary Flames, uh, Philadelphia Flyers. You know, those teams are the ones I feel really bad for. Those people don't even have a chance in hell at Bedard, and they sure as heck ain't winning the Stanley Cup. At least if you're like if you're like the Devils or the Rangers, like you're not getting Bedard, you're probably not going to win the Stanley Cup this year, but you have a chance to within the next five or six years because you have Jack Hughes, you have Nico Heischer, you have Artemi Panarin, you traded for Tarasenko. 
Like, you know, you're going to have these guys for a long time. If you're the Hawks, you have nothing. You, you like they're like, but they've gone from this terrible, terrible franchise with the Kyle Beach and the everybody hates Rocky Wirtz to, hey, we have a chance at Bedard or Fantilli, and we're the number five ranked prospect pool in the league right now because of the ascension of guys like Lucas Reichel, right, and Frank Korchinski and Nazar, and this Ethan Del Mastro kid has come out of nowhere and become one of the best defensemen in junior right now. It's exciting. It's so exciting. I can't wait for the Hawks to be good again. It is going to come with the fruits of the labor of this season. And Kyle Davidson deserves so much respect. Last year at this time, the Hawks were a little better. They won a couple games here and there. I remember they beat the Devils late in the season. They were like, oh, we got a big win. We're going to come in like 26th place. This is awesome. And I was sitting over here like, you fucking kidding me? You're happy about that? You could have freaking – and I didn't want them to win the lottery last year. Thank goodness they didn't win the lottery last year because if they won the lottery, and you were freaking anti-me on that too because if they would have won the lottery last year, they probably would have taken Shane Wright first overall, been dealing with his bullshit right now, and the Columbus Blue Jackets would be sitting there with the first and second best odds of winning Connor Bedard. And they would probably also get Fantilli, too. Thank freaking goodness. The hockey gods were smiling on Chicago during the draft lottery last year. Let's get something. Let's get something straight here. I'm excited for the players in the organization. I'm excited to potentially get Connor Bedard. I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited for everybody in the prospect pool right now. But it, it's still painful to watch these games. There's no fun about it. I don't care what I'm thinking about the future. In the moment when I'm sitting down to watch these games, it's not fun. I'm not having fun. And you to tell me you'd be having fun is just crap to me. Oh, no, because I did have fun. That is unbelievable. Oh, I, I did have fun. I, I remember gonna, we'll agree to disagree. There's no way. There was There's a no game. Way. There was a game against the Kings in 2019. I want to say the Devils were playing the Kings in the last game of the season. And the Kings were also in competition for Jack Hughes. And they beat, or they lost to the Devils in overtime. But somebody else won earlier in the day that helped the Devils like lock themselves into the third best odds. So I went into that last game like, oh, I can root for the Devils, and it's not going to hurt the tank. <laughs> you know, it's not going to hurt lose that's for different. Hughes. That's later in the season. Like if the Hawks, yeah, then it'd be fun if I'm like, if the Hawks lose this game, they get the best odds to win Bedard. That's different. But right now, it's like there's no fun. Listen, I hear what you're saying. I'm trying to help you. I'm maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I am trying to help you enjoy what is going to be a miserable last 30 games oh, of the I season. Know. Cause let me tell you something, pal, you haven't even seen the worst of it yet. You think they stink now? Wait till they do trade Patrick Kane. I know you're hanging on to hope that they're not I'm, going it's, to it's not wait till they trade Patrick Kane. Wait till Connor Murphy's gone. Wait till Jake McCabe's gone. Oh, Athanasio, you don't think he's that good? Well, wait till you see his AHL replacement that's coming. You're gonna wish you had Athanasio. I'm not saying Max Domi, not... bye bye. I agree. Domi's probably gonna be on. I'm not saying they're not gonna trade Kane because that's what I want. I'm saying it because like I truly believe, and I'm not the only one who believes this. 
there was earlier in the season I thought like maybe he'd go. I've been going back and forth. But the past like month or so, I've been sticking to it, saying they're not going to. I'm not going to be surprised. Everybody else is going to be like, damn, Trey Kane. I'm going to be sitting here like, no shit. You should have watched the podcast for the past month. I've been telling you they're not going to. I will be so mad if they don't trade Kane. I'm going to be the, the only one stunned that they don't. Or not stunned. I'll be sitting here like, boys, I've been telling you guys for the past month. No, I, I wouldn't say happening. I'd be. I wouldn't say I'd be stunned. And the it. fact that he's not going to the Rangers, that almost it it even like raises my odds of him staying in Chicago. If there was one team that I was like for sure he'd probably go to, it'd be the Rangers. You know where he's going? Where is he going? VP. What I want, you've got it. Might I'll be, be so mad. <laughs> I'll be so mad. I will be so happy. Let's go Leafs. But I actually think he's going to Dallas. Wow. Um, I, like if like I I would put the Hawks as the second best odds of team Patrick Kane plays for on uh March 5th. He's gonna go uh Timo Meyer's gonna end up going to Dallas, but he's gonna be like, I know he's going to Toronto. <laughs> You're just gonna keep jumping. No, I'm not people, when people get like the next free agent. No, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the Sharks are going to trade Timo Meyer to an East team. Otherwise, I would think Dallas would be in the mix. <laughs> Timo Meyer is the best player on the free agent market right it's now. Gonna, I just I, I don't know. It's just funny to me. It is funny. I mean, I I just I just don't. The stars haven't been mentioned. The stars have kind of been second and second lead dog for Kane for all season. I'll respect whatever Kane does. I have so much respect for Patrick Kane. If he wants to leave, I'll respect his decision. If he want to stay, though, I also got to respect that decision. I want other people too. Like it's up to him. It's yeah. his decision. I'll respect it if he wants to stay. He probably, he probably will sign then a one year deal. I would assume Patrick Kane signs a one year deal with the Hawks on like March sixth or seventh if he's not traded. And if then they we... don't trade him and he doesn't, and we lose him in free agency, I. You won't know how irate I will be. Well, I, I would mean, be like, huh? Well, then why aren't you begging them to trade him then? Because I don't think they're that stupid. They're not going to lose him in free agency if they don't. If they don't trade him, they're signing him. Like, no doubt. Why would keeping him help? But what if that's what he wants? What if he wants that? They better hope. They better hope for some other people on their roster then to hit. I think a lot of a lot of the other guys are gone. McCabe, Domi. Yeah, I think I the mean, Hawk the Hawks the Hawks and Ducks will probably be the two most active teams. I think the Blue Jackets will be active too. They'll trade Gavrikov probably either tonight or tomorrow. But they didn't come into the season expecting to be stinky. There was a there was an article like about a week ago, five, six days ago, from Bleacher Report on like the five biggest prize potential stuff um, that may happen at the trade deadline. And one of those things were Kane and Tave staying in Chicago. Like, I'm not the only one thinking this. Like, there's a decent chance that they stay. I do think that if you could still build around them. I don't think they're dead. I don't think – I think if they had better players around them, they would be performing better, obviously. Breaking news here on Bar Down Talking Hockey – of the Barroom Network. The Chicago Bears have officially announced the purchase of Arlington Heights property. Wow. 
They now own that property. Wow. Finalizing the purchase does not guarantee the land will be developed, but it is an important next step in our ongoing evolution of the opportunity. Very interesting. A little bit of actual Chicago breaking news there. Wow. That is that is a huge step for I mean I would say I would think owning the land that you plan to build a state of the art stadium on is probably the next biggest step towards it being done. That would be so cool. Yeah, oh yeah. I really hope. <laughs> yeah. I It'll agree. be in our backyard to go freaking to a Bears game. It's literally 5 minutes from here. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that would kind of suck is the traffic around there then because, like, it would be swamped. You got, like, 20,000 or how many – not 20,000, more than that. However many thousands of people. And, like, Arlington's, like – when you go to the city, it's a little bit more open, roomier. But when you go to the suburbs, compacting all those people in might be a little annoying. But it will be so more much more convenient to go to Bears games and stuff like that. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, there's actually a parking lot here next to it too. Uh-huh. Oh, so. yeah. They got a big parking lot, Arlington. The whole Arlington parking lot, when you go to the racetrack, their parking lot's huge. Oh, yeah. And they'll rip up some of the land and probably make it even bigger. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. That kind of interrupted our Chicago hockey conversation, but I had to get that out there that that was the case. Pretty big news. Um, But, yeah, I'll be very annoyed because there are a couple reasons I want the Hawks to trade Taves and Kane. For one, you could probably get a first for Kane. You second at the least. He's having a terrible year. All his advanced metrics, like he has a 1% hockey war. Like he's been brutal by all measures, but, you know, he's still Patrick freaking Kane. And there are people that believe his, you know, prowess will return if he plays on a team that actually gives him support and, you know, makes it easier on him. But in addition to losing him, the team gets you would think the team gets worse. There are people that'll claim the Hawks get better when Kane leaves, but you know, they're, they're three Oh and one when he's not on the lineup, um, which maybe there is correlation. He is having a bad year, like n- no good crummy, bad, maybe it benefits bad, bad him to keep him to be even worse. That, I mean, maybe, but I doubt that's how Kyle Davidson's looking at it because they could still get assets See, for him. I think I know. I think the the Hawks have a ceiling, right? They they have a future. They're predicting what the Hawks ceiling is in the next five years, right? With all their picks they plan on making, they have a set bar to where they think the Hawks could be, and I think that they're going to get to that bar regardless if you trade Kane and Taves. I don't think an extra first round draft pick exceeds that bar or gets them to that bar any quicker. I still think the same players will have to develop. The same amount of work will have to be put in. And I still think regardless trading them or not, there's no benefit into it. I still think you reach that that potential. What if the Rangers included Lafreniere or Kako? But that's out of the question now. There's no shot that they would tra- They would get Kane to. Why? They already got their winger. They're not going to get another winger of that caliber. It's, it's not going to happen. Why? I, do they have the cap space for it? I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I would have to look. I don't know, but I, I assume the Hawks are retaining 50% on Patrick Kane no matter who they trade him to. I just – it doesn't make sense that you would go for two right-wingers. That's I mean, just – you don't see teams do that in the trade deadline. Like I, I think they could use a center more. Uh, like uh, a lot of the teams that Patrick Kane is associated with I think could use a center more than a winger, so Tabes would make more sense for them and – Dallas and Toronto are exceptions because Matthews and Tavares, Robertson and Pavelski, those are like your guys. 
But the Avalanche, they don't need Patrick Kane. They need Jonathan Taves way more. But they'll probably take the the cheaper route and try to get Ryan O'Reilly back. You know, he was an Avalanche once upon a time, you might remember. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I agree here. Emotional I want to make a comment to this too, but go Emotional ahead. attachment to players is fascinating. Um, I root for laundry. Okay. You put on the devil's laundry and you're my guy. Um, obviously, you have favorite players and such, but if someone said the Devils will win the Stanley Cup this year, but they have to trade Jack Hughes, I would ask if they want me to be the guy who goes and picks up <laughs> Jack Hughes and drive him to his next destination. Exactly what I was about to say. If they told me you trade Kane and Taves, they win a Stanley Cup in three years, bye-bye. See you later. It has nothing to do with me being there are people. There are people who would say no to that in like 2014. Now you made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying it, it has nothing to do with the emotional attachment. In my brain, I just don't see there being a massive benefit. Yeah, is there a little benefit? Yeah, you get a first-round pick. Maximize the essence. I don't think that makes a difference in the long run. I still think they're going to get to that contending team down the line, regardless, in the same amount of time. It has nothing to do with emotional attachments. I mean, saying saying it would be a marginal difference if they added a first round pick and one. I of think the it would. I think ever. it would be. I think it would be a marginal difference. Not depending if they got on a first get, round pick. Depending, yeah. I mean, why can't I have that opinion? Why is that like being argued? You no, can seriously. have that. You you can have that opinion. You absolutely can. But you're saying I'm wrong. I'm saying I disagree. Go ahead. You're saying I'm wrong. You said they're say exactly what you said before. If they got a first round pick for Patrick Kane in the deepest draft ever, or one of the deepest drafts ever, it would make more than a marginal difference. And I disagree. Fight okay. me. Fight me back. Come on. There's nothing, there's nothing to fight back. There's nothing. I mean, I, I made my statement. Ooh, you ought to. There's, I mean, there's nothing to say. I just, I don't believe it. You don't believe it. We disagree a lot. I mean, that's that's just what it is. Okay. Well, when they traded Alex DeBrinket to Ottawa to get Frank Korchinski, I was pumped. Did you see me whining about it? I understand, but that that's it the same sense. type of thing. They got a first round pick for a player that can help them. Did I agree with it? I didn't necessarily agree with it. I think Dabrinkit's a guy you could build around. If anything, at that point, then you trade Taves and Kane and keep the younger guy who still could perform well, which doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but do I like the output we got for it? Sure. Are we going to get a high enough draft pick? I don't know. We'll see. We'll probably get bottom of the barrel, middle of the barrel. Yeah, 15 to 25. Which is why I disagree. I, I think it would help. I'm not saying it won't help. Obviously, anything would help. Any picks help. But I just don't see it being like a big difference where I'm like, wow, the Hawks won the cup this year because they traded Patrick. Not this year, but I'm using it like, say I'm saying this in 2026 or something. Wow, the Hawks won the cup this year because we traded Kane. I don't see that. I, I don't see that happening. I guess it's all going to depend on the return. We'll and maybe this conversation is different if he is traded and we see the return. I'm like, okay, now I could argue about it a little bit more and say, yeah, this was a good idea that they traded him. Yeah, I was just it, making the point. 
and let's be very clear, you're allowed to make whatever opinion you want. I don't care what what try to picture you try to paint of me saying itself about your opinion. That's just not true. You can have whatever opinion you want. You are more than free to backfire however you want. I do think getting a first round pick for Patrick Kane, it's not guaranteed, but I'd be extremely happy with that. You'd have to get a first round pick for him. Anything yeah. less would be stupid. Well, I, I think the Claude Giroux trade and they have the same um, agent is kind of similar. Giroux was having a bad year with the Flyers last year and they traded him to the Panthers and they were saying the same thing. He's not going to get traded, this and that. And then he ended up getting traded and the Panthers ended up giving a first round pick for him. And he had a little bit of a resurgence with the Florida Panthers as well. And he's having a pretty good year with Ottawa this year. So I'm trying to think of the name of the agent. Is it Pat Brissant? I don't know. That's Patrick I know they share the same uh, agent. Yeah. But... Well, Patrick Kane, Chicago legend. Will he be moved or won't he be moved? Will Frankie try to punch me through the computer or will he not try to punch me through the computer? Wow. Jesus. It's just I hockey. Mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see. It's just hockey. They're going to hit me. Stadium series. Saturday. I can't wait. Talk to me about it. What are you looking forward to most about it? I think this is going to be one of the most unique stadium series in the history of the NHL. It's going to have a college football feel to it. They're playing at Carter-Finley Stadium, which is North Carolina State uh, college football stadium where they play. They already said they have on-field seating, which is really cool. Makes it feel like a college football game. They'll have a marching band. Another reason why it's going to feel like a college football game. And um, Steve Mayer, NFL or NHL chief content officer, said there will be tailgating, and they know what to expect from the culture here, which just means like this is going to be a rowdy, rowdy stadium series. You probably get a lot of college fans who go to the game just because you know that's their ground. They want to go and see a hockey game. I'm looking forward to it. The game day conditions are said to be perfect as of right now. Um, it should be a very interesting game. Yesterday they played on Valentine's Day, and the Carolina Hurricanes won 3-2. to two. So this is going to be like, is this going to be a revenge spot for the Washington Capitals? Are they going to come out swinging? It should be very interesting, but I'm looking forward to the stadium series a lot compared to prior stadium series games. Sucks that Ovechkin's not going to be playing in it. It's tough. It is tough. R.I.P. Mikhail Ovechkin. His father passed away today at the age of 71 years old. I'm assuming he'll be back with the team by the start of next week or the end of next week, but he went home to be with his family during that difficult time. So sorry for Ovechkin. I'm sure when he scores his next goal, he will point to the sky and give dad some thanks because I've heard some stories about how uh, Mikhail Ovechkin did a lot of things to help Alexander Ovechkin reach what he has become in his life. So, what do you think of the stadium series? I, I'm excited for it. I actually think the Carolina Hurricanes are like worlds better than Washington, especially without Ovechkin. But you know that never really matters in an outdoor game. The Bruins got outplayed by the Penguins and barely won. And I think if they were to play a seven game series, the Bruins would mollywop them. So, you know, the stadium series, it'll be fun, though. A lot of people hate the jerseys. Um, 
they'll look cool on the ice as they always do, right? Like every time we complain about jerseys and such, um, we end up seeing them on the ice. And I think teams like Washington and Carolina, who do put on a good brand of hockey in terms of entertainment value, will put on a good show in this game. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think – I don't know who's going to win. I predict the score to be 4-2, regardless of who wins. Very fair. Um, I think if we were to pick these two teams in a seven-game series, which I do believe if the playoffs were to start today – It would happen. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. They would no. be playing the Penguins. Yeah, they would be playing the Penguins. I think Washington's going to miss. So I'm do starting I. to think. I do, and too. I'm starting – like, my team that I think is probably going to climb into that spot changes. Buffalo's been on a slight skid, but we know how hot they can get. Yeah. Uh, Detroit is all of a sudden tied with Buffalo because they've been really good lately. Mm-hmm. Ottawa's been really good lately. They're a point behind. Then I think once you get beyond Ottawa, you're probably done. Like, Philly, probably not. Um. But I actually like Florida. They've been climbing. They've been climbing a lot. Hey, I picked them to make the playoffs. I I think we both did. I picked them to win the division, I'm pretty sure. But at least if they could get into the playoffs. Yeah. I think all that matters is, like, getting them making playoffs right when it comes to, like, making fun of each other at the end of the year. But, um, yeah, I picked them to make the playoffs. and I. But we both saw them taking a step back. Although they got the best player in that trade, and that best player is now, is he second in scoring yet? Third in scoring, fourth in scoring, fourth in scoring. Matthew Kuchuk has 75 points. Wow. He has three less than Kucherov for third, four less than Dreisaitl for, four, for second, and 24 less than McDavid for first. <laughs> I honestly thought they would have been a better team this year. Really, I truly did. I didn't think they'd yeah. be this bad to where yep, they, they're out of a playoff spot right now. They've been really good lately. And Kachuk, I don't know if he's still the leading scorer in 2023 calendar year because Jack Hughes was right there with him. But um, And Pasternak is up there as well. And so obviously so is McDavid. But he was also one of the leading scorers in 2022 as well. So I do think Florida has a chance to be that final wild card team. Um, Frank, what's your favorite hockey story of the week? This one's actually really interesting. Um, Vin, do you like Disney? I do like Disney, and I know where you're going with this. It's very interesting. It reminds me of Nickelodeon football when they do the Nickelodeon. Yeah, arguably even more creative. <laughs> the, Washington Ca- uh, the Washington Capitals will take on the New York Rangers on March 14th, um, and this will be... NHL and Disney Channel will be teaming up to provide the first ever live animated NHL game. Players and teams will have animations modeled after characters from their comedy show, Big City Greens. The animated version of the broadcast will be broadcasted on Disney Channel, Disney XD, and Disney Plus. And ESPN and ESPN Plus will provide the real telecast for the game, which I think is cool. They're not forcing anybody to watch, you know, an animated version of the game, which is why people, if they don't like this idea, they shouldn't be upset because they don't have to tune into it. You're not forced to watch an animated version. I think it's cool because I'm a big Disney guy. I love the Disney content. This is something new, innovating, catering to all genres, all age groups, 
getting more people who might not watch hockey into hockey, people who tune into Disney Plus or Disney Channel will have an opportunity to, you know, get more familiar with the game. I love this. I know I'm probably in the minority and a lot of people are going to hate this, but I'm excited for it. I'll throw it on just to see what it looks like. I wouldn't imagine me watching a whole game like that, but I like the idea and I like where they're going with this, with catering to the younger audience. Very, very interesting. I can't wait to see what it looks like. There are going to be people that crap on it. You're right. Oh, yeah. People are going to hate it. They're going to say, why would I watch Disney game or why is it animated? But you don't have to, which is the beauty of it. Just watch your regular broadcast of the game and I'll be tuning into both. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see it personally. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, My story is something we've never really seen before across the NHL. Guys or teams are admittedly keeping their guys out of the lineup for trade related reasons. Normally they'll put undisclosed reason, undisclosed injury, stuff like that. The coyotes were just like, no, we're holding out chicken for trade related reasons. <laughs> and then yesterday against the devils, the blue jackets were like, yeah, we're just keeping out Gavrikov for uh, trade related reasons. And I was like, what? <laughs> really? You're really doing that? We're really just saying it like, hey, we're going to trade this guy, so we're not going to play him right now. That's awesome. I love the honesty. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, this isn't the most interesting hockey story of the week, but if it's going to be my favorite story of the week and I'm going to go on there and tell the truth, that's what I'm going to say. And so we'll see if other teams follow suit. Um, It's really interesting. Like if if Taves gets traded within the next week or so, we're going to know that the Hawks were lying this whole time. COVID, non-illness, then they just stopped saying the reason altogether. Or non-COVID-related illness, non-COVID-related illness, then they just stopped saying why. Mm-hmm. Well, if they trade them to the freaking avalanche next week, I'll be like, well, the Hawks lied. <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. how long do you have a non-COVID-related illness for? So, the only thing that worries me, I hope it has nothing to do with what kept them out for that whole year. Yeah. That is the only thing worrisome on my mind with Taves, but I don't know. Favorite hockey story of the week. Good stuff. Good stuff. We shall see. Absolutely. Frank, period number three. Welcome to period three, where Frank and I are going to have a little bit of what I call a difficult conversation. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to rank the five teams in each conference, not based on the standings. We can all click standings and freaking, I think this team is better than this. Who are the five most dangerous teams to win the Stanley Cup right now? Not based on standings, just where they are right now. Seven game series starts right now. Who are your five most dangerous teams? We'll begin with the East. Okay. Well, number one is the Boston Bruins. Even though they're the number one team in the league, they are the most dangerous team in the East, in my opinion. They're on pace to tie Detroit's 95-96 seasons record and 18-19's and lightning season record for 62 wins in a season. Um, they've been slow lately, but nonetheless, they're a dangerous team, and nobody's going to want to play them in a seven-game series. We know they have the experience. We know what they're capable of. They are definitely one of the most scariest and dangerous teams in the league, let alone the Eastern Conference. 
Um, number two, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're always a threat and contender for sure. They always seem to start out slow, but then the second half of the season, they always seem to pick up the pace. They're a little scary. I wouldn't want to go up against them in the playoffs. Vasilevsky is a different breed of human when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. This The core on the team plays differently in the playoffs. They are definitely always a contender and definitely a contender this year, for sure. Number three, I like the Carolina, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. They are so good defensively. It is unbelievable. Martin Nikas leads their team in points with 47. He's not point per game, and he leads the team in points, and they're in first place by, like, a bunch of – or not not a bunch of games, but they're, like, 15 games over 500, and their leading point score is not even point per game. Like, not even close. Ajo's point per game, but that's – he's played 46 games. He got 46 points. It's unbelievable. They don't score a ton, but they do what they need to do to get it done, and they're so defensively good. It is unbelievable. They had Kochetkov for a while in the season. He was fantastic. He's not on the team right now, but he was just—he was so fantastic because it, their defense is so good, their goaltending is so good, and I think that's going to go a long way come the playoffs. So they're my number three. Number four, I kind of—I don't know if I would have had them at number four here, but their acquisition of Tarasenko makes him more of a threat. It's New York Rangers. I think he could get it going on a, a new team. I think we know what he's capable of. He hasn't had the greatest year, but maybe on the Rangers, playing on a team with Panarin, Zabinijab, uh, Fox, Trocek, Keandre Miller. I mean, just being on the team alone, you might elevate your play, and we, he might get back to that elite level. I definitely think they're a favorite now to win the Cup because of that. Um, players will perform differently on different teams, and players will perform differently when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they're definitely... Up there, Shesterkin, 23 wins. Halak's got eight wins as a backup, which is great if Shesterkin can't play for some reason. I know I could rely on Halak. I love this team, the way it's put together. They're definitely a contender and a very dangerous team in the East. Number five would be the New Jersey Devils. Any team that wins 12 games in a row in a given season is a threat. I don't care what you say. They're amazing when healthy. They have the best road record in the league, which will come in handy tremendously when you get to the postseason, especially if they don't win the division. Um, they're 23-3 and on the road. The youngness could hurt them, but overall, when they're healthy, like I said, they're a big threat, and I think they're one of the biggest threats in the East right now. That's why I got them at number five. I like your list. Very interesting list. We have mostly the same. I have a couple things in a different order. Number one for me is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning haven't lost an Eastern Conference playoff series since 2019. And until someone does, I am going to see them as the most dangerous team, the team that I would want to face the least. And, you know, the last time they lost that playoff series, I was getting swept when they were the best team in the regular season. And they lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Then they won the cup in the bubble. Then they won it again the following year. And they were in the cup again last year before being defeated. And, you know, it was a close series. They didn't have Braden Point. Who knows if they would be the three-time defending champions. If Braden Point was healthy last year, he's healthy right now. Kucherov looks like the Kucherov that we know for the first time in a couple years. He dealt with some injuries during their cup years. And he'll have 110 points and be a top five scorer once again. I have the Lightning as the most dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. At number two is the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins have the best record in the NHL, and it's not particularly close. They're the only team in the league that has not lost 10 times in regulation this season. 
They only have a couple handful of losses at home in the regular season up to this point, and they have legitimately been one of the best teams in the NHL all season long. They're hard to lose or they're hard to beat. Um, they have stars on every line. Taylor Hall playing, you know, third line minutes with guys like Coyle. And we've seen what Pavel Zaka has done with David Pasternak and David Krejci. Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand do their thing. Their defense is immaculate. But you had McAvoy. You knew We knew they had McAvoy. But the addition of Hampus Lindholm last year really has helped them more this year because he has been a top 10 defenseman in the NHL this year. He made a pass to Taylor Hall yesterday that was off the hook. And they've just been absolutely magnificent. David Pasternak is low-key, one of the best players in the NHL now. He's fifth in scoring, and he's second in goals, and just an absolute superstar in this league right now. Third, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs. A lot of people are going to disregard the Toronto Maple Leafs because of first-round playoff woes within the last couple years. Until they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins in a playoff series, I'm not going to pick them, but... I do believe if there was a year they could do it, it would be this year. Austin Matthews has been a little bit injured with his wrist, but he still found a way to score lots of goals using tip-ins and rebound goals and such. And their defense is better than it has been in years. They've gotten pretty good goaltending, and I do believe they will be active at the trade deadline. They have waived Wayne Simmons yesterday to help make some room on the roster and whatnot. I do think with guys like Mark Giordano and Morgan Riley and Timothy Lilligren, their defense has been outstanding. And if there was a team, a year for the Leafs to finally break through, I do think it could be this one. We'll see if anything comes of it. But I have them as the third most dangerous team in the East right now. At number four, I have the Carolina Hurricanes, who, as everything you said about how good they are defensively, and they don't have that one guy who is just taking them to the next level offensively. I, bo I believe that both Sebastian Ajo and Andrei Svechnikov are capable of being those types of guys. They haven't been this year. That doesn't mean they aren't, but they just haven't been this year. And I don't know if they're going to be this year, if they're point per game player or a better next year or the year after. Everyone should be 0% surprised. You should want them on your fantasy teams. They're unbelievable. But as of right now, the Hurricanes under Rod Brindamore are playing a very team-orientated game, and that could be why that they're not necessarily like this juggernaut offensively because everything is by committee. And with Pesci and Burns, you know, leading the way on the blue line, they had Slavin and, you know, just great, great, great defenders. And you brought up Kachekov, who's playing with the Chicago Wolves. We shot Kachekov get a shutout in person on Friday when we went to the game. And, you know, he was unbelievable. He'll be an option for them. I think it's interesting that they are using Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta this season. But, you know, with the way they spend their money, they kind of have to. Kachekov will be there, you know, even as soon as this year, but certainly next year and beyond. The Carolina Hurricanes are in a good spot. And at fifth, I do put the New York Rangers. Um, the New York Rangers, they added Vladimir Tarasenko, I think, very highly of what Panarin and Zibanejad can do in the playoffs. I think Adam Fox and Igor Shesterkin are each top two at their position in the NHL. I don't think it's going to be a run that lasts very long in terms of years, but it, I, they better win their cup this year because their prospect pool has taken a tank, and I don't love their young players. But as far as their veterans with Kreider in the mix as well, I think they have a real chance to cause a stir this year in the postseason. So those are my top five teams in order. Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Carolina, and New York. Very similar list in their own way. Yes. I like it. Oddly enough, I took out the Devils and you added them. I think they could be dangerous. They're a little young, which could hurt them, like I said. But, I mean, they do impress me. They've impressed me more this year than I expected, so. Yeah, the Devils are very good, 
they've just played like donkey doo doo since halfway through January. And the funny thing is, they played well in December. And I tried to tell people this in December. They played well in December and lost a couple games. You know, they had their little skid in December, but they were playing well in those losses. And they're 8 0 1 in their last nine games or whatever it is right now, or 10 0 1. And they've kind of played like poop in most of those games. And if it weren't for a goal at 19.58 of the third period yesterday by Ryan Graves. You don't know what would have happened in overtime. I Very rare that your favorite team ever wins a game in the final second of the game, but that's what happened yesterday, and you know, I, I like what the Devils have done, but I need to see a little more consistent dominance for them to be in the top five with those other teams. I would put them at six, though, if I had to pick someone. Fair enough. Um, Frank, how about the Western Conference? All right. Western Conference, my number one most dangerous team in the Western Conference may surprise you, but it might not also surprise you. It's the Colorado Avalanche. I feel that the Colorado Avalanche are the West version of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to get into those playoffs. They can make a run. They don't have the resume that the Tampa Bay Lightning have, but after winning the Cup last year, Having a slow start this year because they weren't healthy. They're finally getting healthy. I expect a strong, strong second half from them. And they've already climbed into the third place in the Central Division. They were well out of it um, just about a month ago. And now all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. Who's that in third place? Oh, the Colorado Avalanche are in third place. Nikushkin's going to be healthy. He's already been playing. He's healthy. This Colorado Avalanche team, oof. Just wait. Just wait until you have to play them in the postseason. It's going to be a different ball game, especially because they won the Cup last year. They know exactly what they need to do this year. I like them. I wouldn't want to play them, especially in the playoffs. Number two, Dallas Stars. First in the Central Division, Robertson having a fantastic year. Hints having a great year. Ben and Sagan doing just enough extra to put the Dallas Stars where they needed to be. I had the Dallas Stars in the playoffs um, earlier, or preseason. Thought they would be good. Didn't think they'd be first place in the Central good. They are impressing me. But ultimately, Ben and Sagan have been doing just enough, just enough to back up Robertson, Hintz, other guys on the team, to get them where they need to be. Do they need to have a better second half of the season? Absolutely. But you got a guy, Robertson, Hintz, Ben, Sagan, come playoff times. In a, in a second half where I do think Ben and Sagan will perform better, that's going to be scary, if true, to go up against in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Number three are the Winnipeg Jets. Are they the biggest surprise of the season? They very well could be. Um, 2022, there were 39-32-11. That was their record. 39 wins, 32 losses, 11 OTLs. 2023, they got 34 wins already. They're 34-19-1. I mean, that. that they could be potentially the biggest surprise of 2023 so far. Hands down, Morrissey, breakout year. Wasn't expecting that from Morrissey. We talk about the talent they have on their team. Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Shifley, Blake Wheeler. Um, what, were the, what did they need to do coming into the season? They all needed to perform. Something they didn't do last year. They didn't perform. Hellebuck didn't perform last year. And ultimately, they finished with 39 wins last year, which they're five wins away already from breaking that or from tying it and then breaking it. Hellebuck looks fantastic. He's back to winning ways. When you guys got guys of everybody that I just named performing up to their standard, there's no reason why the Winnipeg Jets are having such a great year. I'm glad I backed them as the big one of the surprise teams this year. They're living up to it. I just I love what I'm seeing from the Winnipeg Jets. 
Fourth, I got the Vegas Golden Knights. They missed the postseason for the first time last year. 2023, however, they're a lot more healthy. Last year, they weren't as healthy as they were. When you get a season, a full season of Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, that's going to be scary to play against. A little dangerous. I know Stone and Eichel have missed some games this year, but ultimately they started the year pretty healthy, um, which obviously for most of the season when you got those players, I mean, you see where they're on the standings right now. I think they're in, um, what, second, third place? Or no, the Kraken are in third. I think they're in second place. Or maybe they're in first. I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I don't have the Pacific Division standings. But everybody was worried about Logan Thompson. You know, like, is Logan Thompson going to be able to carry the weight that Flurry or, you know, um, somebody else might not? I'm drawing a blank. Who is her goalie? Um, oh, my God. Oh, Robin Leonard. Oh, yeah. Ba- ba- I'm saying, like, back. I, yeah, I didn't know which era you yeah. were talking about. Yeah. Would he would um, Logan Thompson be able to play like Flurry, Robin Leonard, so on and so forth? He's getting it done. He's got 20 wins, was an all-star this year. They have a chance to win the Pacific Division. I like the Vegas Golden Knights. They sh- We know that they could get to the Cup because they've done it before. Very scary team to play against, especially when you have to go into the Fortress and play in Las Vegas. That's very hard to do. Number five, the Seattle Kraken. This is another team, along with the Winnipeg Jets, Jets, who is up for the biggest surprise of 2023. They're 30-18-6. Matty Beniers, uh, Rookie of the Year candidate. Their offense is so evenly distributed, which is very rare. You don't see that a ton, but especially when they're scoring as much as they do, it's very evenly distributed. Forget about Grubauer. Martin Jones has been stealing the show in net. Um and it appears right now they're on uh, on pace to making their first postseason appearance with the potential of even winning the Pacific Division. I know they don't have the experience, obviously, the cracking into the playoffs. A lot of these players don't necessarily either. Obviously, some of them do. But that's why I have them on five. I think five was respectable because it's like you don't have the experience. You're playing very well. I don't know what to expect out of you of the postseason. Those are my five teams from the West. It's a very good list. We agreed with it for a large portion of it, like a large portion of it. I was actually impressed with your list. Um, number one for me is the Colorado Avalanche. You thought I might disagree? There's nothing to disagree about. The defending Stanley Cup champions are starting to get healthier. They're only going to continue to get healthier. Um, there are only a few teams in the league that can match what they are when they're fully healthy, and most of them reside in the Eastern Conference. So I do think Colorado has got to be going into the playoffs feeling pretty good about their chances to get back, although the teams they play in the Central Division postseason are going to be difficult unless they end up winning the division, which we'll see what happens there. they got a long way to go and a 10-point deficit, which in three games in hand, so you just never truly know. I do think it is absolutely possible. Um, If a team could do it, it would be them. And with Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen, um, I do think they're going to try and replace Kadri at the trade deadline. Okay, I know they have Nichushkin and their defense with Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram and Gabe Velarde and or not Gabe Velarde, Dan Gerard or not Dan Gerard. What's Gerard's first name? Um, regardless, I, I mixed a bunch of people's names up there together, but it's Gerard. Is it Sam? I was going to say Sam, but for some reason that Sam Gerard. No, that actually does sound familiar. Sam Gerard. Um. And then Devin Taves, I mean, their their goaltending is sick, and they got 
or their defense is sick. So I think the Avalanche are right there for the best team in the league, despite where they sit in the standings. And they're number one in my Western Conference power rankings. Number two is going to be the Dallas Stars. I think the Dallas Stars, now I do think Colorado makes a trade for a center. Is it going to be O'Reilly? Is it going to be Taves? We'll see who, who they go for. I do think they're, they'll make another move. But a team that desperately needs to make a move in the West is the Dallas Stars because I think if they were to add a depth scorer like Patrick Kane or like Brock Besser or someone along that ilk and then a, a defenseman that's available, whether it be Trickrin or Gavrikov or Luke Shen, I think the Stars will be right there with the Avalanche in terms of their ability to compete in a seven-game series, and that's why I have them second. Coming in at third, all from the Central Division, I do have the Jinnipeg Wets. The Jets are outstanding, and you know they've been good all season long. We were wondering when they're going to fall off. They're not. They're not. They're not going to. They have a Norris caliber defenseman with Morrissey. They have other good defensemen backing him up. And we know what Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, all these guys can do when healthy. And they have one of the best goaltenders in the NHL with Connor Hellebuck. I do believe if the Olympics were to start tomorrow, Hellebuck would be in prime position to be Team USA's starting netminder. So, you know, that's how highly I think of him. I got them as third in the West. Where we start to veer off a little bit, though, is where I have number four, the Edmonton Oilers. I actually think very high of the Oilers. They're 6-0-2 in their last eight games. They've been absolutely – or 6-1-2 in their last nine games. There's a loss to Montreal, their most recent game, and it's only one of six games that McDavid hasn't recorded a point in this season. I think any team that has Leon Dreisaitl on it with Connor McDavid is poised for great things, and anybody who says that they're the McDavid Dreisaitl and that's it show – those people have no clue what the H they're talking about. They're only one of five teams in the league with four 20 goal scorers. And talking about Evan, uh, Zach Hyman, who's on pace for 100 points. Zach Hyman's on pace for 100 points. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's been one of the steady two-way players in the NHL for a very long time. I like their defense with um, Tyson Berry and um, John a blank, uh, Darnell Nurse, very good. Um, Bouchard, pretty good. They're getting great goaltending from Stuart Skinner, who was an all-star. And that doesn't even count their hottest goaltender as of late. Jack Campbell's been really, really good. And when McDavid and Dreisaitl are on top of their game, there's no stopping them. They're great on the power play. They have a historically good power play, and you can't take penalties against them. I do think they will start to build separation as the rest of the season goes along. I see them jumping Seattle. Vegas and Los Angeles to win this uh, division. It wouldn't stun me one bit. It also wouldn't stun me if all three of those teams just kind of keep playing well and they stay exactly where they are. But I do, I would take Edmonton in a seven game series over all of them. And that leads me to the team that I have in fifth in the Western Conference, and that is the Vegas Golden Knights, who I also think could win a playoff series against anybody. I think all five of these teams are very good and could come out of the West if everything goes well for them. But Vegas, they're probably not going to have Mark Stone, but it wouldn't shock me if they make a big trade with that long-term injury reserve cap space that they're going to get from putting Stone on there. Um, They have Petrangelo and Eichel and... Pat, uh, they don't have Pat Ready anymore. Uh, Marsha Salt and Wild Bill Carlson. Uh, Riley Smith is having a really good year. Um, the Golden Knights are solid, and there's no doubt that, you know, with Logan Thompson playing the way that he has, one time member of the New Jersey Devils organization, Logan Thompson, got in a couple games and got absolutely shelled. But now that he's with Vegas, he is just absolutely on fire. And I like what they do there with their team. They run it like a team that wants to win really badly. If they, if they somehow came out of nowhere, 
because they've come out of nowhere and stolen a bunch of players on the trade market in the past. If they found a way to make cap space work by putting Mark Stone on LTIR and traded for Patrick Kane, it wouldn't be shocking at all. It'd be kind of annoying because, like, oh, here's Vegas. Uh, Mark Stone becomes available with Ottawa. Oh, he's going to go to freaking Vegas. Oh, Max Pacioretty's available from Montreal. He's going to go to freaking Vegas. Oh, how about Petrangelo? They're going to sign me up. Yep, you guessed it, Vegas. Oh, Jack Eichel, that's going to be one of the best players in the league traded in the last 20 years. Vegas, I mean, they're getting kind of annoying, but they they run their team the way everyone should want their team to run it, like someone who's trying to. Hello? Were you able to hear all that? No, you're frozen. I think we might have lost Frankie. Hello? I don't know if we lost Frankie or if Frankie lost me, but as of right now, were were you able? What part of that weren't you able to hear? Um, I got to the Eichel, and um, then how I have no team... clue if it's me or if it's Frankie that is currently dealing with the Walmart connection. But I'm just going to keep talking. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights—they were the best team in the Western Con- or the fifth best team in the Western Conference for me. So. Hello, VP. We lost VP. Um, so yeah, I liked his list so far. I just want to make sure anybody else who's watching could hear me. If you could hear me, um, got a little bit of technical difficulties going on right now. Now we got two VPs. Get rid of the other one. That was weird. I think it was on your end. <laughs> I think it was on my end. And it, it it is terrible at letting you know whose fault it is. Because <laughs> you freeze and I keep talking. And that makes me think it's on your end. But then it's on mine. Uh, I don't know. One of us have Walmart connection. Um, where did I stop? Where did it kill me? I lose lost track of saying well then i heard you say you're like well i'm just gonna talk anyway but i was trying to talk to you oh uh, well i was saying vegas was the fifth best team and i think you heard me say oh eichel vegas. yeah i heard you that know, they, eichel they got, was the last person i heard oh it was the last person i said so that's good eichel he goes to vegas and they get everyone they want and it's getting kind of annoying i'm getting sick and tired of vegas so, you know, I'm not sick and tired of them winning. They haven't won anything. But, I, the, you know, whenever someone becomes available, it's like, oh, Vegas is one of the teams in on them. And the salary cap seemingly doesn't apply to them, even though it does. They're just really smart with it. And they're going to be able to t- put stone on LTIR, which will free up that cap space for the rest of the season. So we'll see what comes of that. But <laughs> they're my fifth team in the Western <laughs> Conference. Katie says Xfinity Gas been playing games with me all day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what happens sometimes. We put our faith in the robots, and sometimes they, they take a shit on our balls. face. They I'm got us by you. the balls. That's that's just the way it is. They shit on our face, these robots. Um, but, yeah, of those teams, narrow it down to the three best in the NHL. I didn't write this down, but I knew I'd be putting your ass on the spot. The three best in the NHL, huh? Yeah, I mean, you should have them, like, right in front of you, like, to yeah. pick from. Um. Bruins, Lightning, Colorado. I would go Lightning. Oh, okay. I don't mean best teams. The Bruins are the best team. 
They've yeah. been the best team all season long. That's my order. It's your same order for like most dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll f- I have those three teams as well, but I'm flipping the order a little bit. I'm going Tampa Bay, Colorado, Boston. Interesting. Yeah. We the agree reason, on a lot. Yeah. The only reason I have Tampa Bay above Colorado is because of health. I'm not sure where Colorado's going to be by the end of the season. And Braden Point is back, and Kucherov is back. Stamkos seemingly unstoppable. They have Victor Hedman, Vasilevsky's on a tear. Mm-hmm. So the lightning, man. The freaking like <laughs> they're just one of those teams in the postseason. Absolutely. Um, Frank, we're almost done, but we got one more thing we got to get to the trade. There's mm-hmm. big there's big trade rumors. Lots of folks are gonna be finding new homes over the next week or two. Uh, if I'm an NHL player, I'm going either warm climate or winning team, warm climate or winning team, warm climate or winning team. I don't want to go to Vancouver. I don't want to go to Vancouver. I don't want to go to Vancouver. If all you care about is soaking in the sun, I don't want to go to Edmonton. I don't want to go to Edmonton. It's not summer there till July 1st. It's not summer there till July 1st. Please don't send me to Edmonton. But if I get to go to Edmonton, I get to play on the same power play as Connor McDavid. You know, you don't get to pick and choose. You know, some things are good. Some things are bad, but it's a big week for everyone. Yeah. What What are you thinking about going into the trade deadline? Is there any big fish that you're excited to see move, or are there any team needs where you're like, I see this Stanley Cup team needs this really, really bad? Well, I think, you know, Carolina just, in my opinion, maybe needs a little more offense. We talked about how good their defense is, but if you add that goal score, I mean, imagine what that would do to you if you just had that extra – like, is, is he a fit for Timo Meyer? Is the Carolina Hurricanes a, tip, or a fit for Timo Meyer? I mean, very possible. I mean, that would just boost him tremendously. He goes to one of two teams, in my opinion. Because you said you don't think he's going to the West. No, I don't. So is Carolina a good fit for him, potentially? They, they're they a wonderful fit for him. That's a, I honestly think they're one of two teams he goes to. Who's the other? You, you know the other. Oh, the, uh, the Devils? Yeah. It, I think the Devils, if I was a operator of a betting app right now and I got to come up with the odds, I would put – the Devils at one and the Hurricanes at two. And their odd difference would be like less than 10. Yeah, I mean, they could use a, a, a more firepower on offense. I mean, defense can only carry you so much of the way, especially in the playoffs. But, I mean, you get that goal score and add it to already a great team. Man, oh, man. Another guy, Chikrin, potentially maybe goes to like Ottawa or something. I mean, they got the salary for it. For sure, um, it wouldn't prevent them from re-signing Debrinket. I think, like with this up-and-coming team, maybe I could see him, you know, helping the defense out a little bit with Shabbat and in Ottawa and, and Shabbat potentially in Ottawa. I mean, that that's a possibility. Another interesting one I I thought of too, and because you mentioned this before, maybe O'Reilly goes back to Colorado where it all began. I mean, that's a very possibility, huh? That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good possibility. I mean, they could use a second-line center with experience on the team. I mean, imagine him going to Colorado, playing on the second-line center. Oh, my God. I mean, that would just help him tremendously, and that that would be another reason why I'd fear to play him too because that would just boost them overall like by miles. Like the point system, if there was a point system, they'd gain like 10 extra points just from adding O'Reilly onto their, their second line, which yeah. I think is a very good possibility. I do too. Well, 
when we get to the trade deadline, last show before trade deadline, whatever like big free agents or whatever big trade chips aren't traded by then. Obviously, we can't do it for the ones who are traded early, like Horvat and Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of me thinks Meyer's not going to be on that list. I think he's going to be traded well before. Yeah, we did that last year. You're going to ask. Yeah. That yeah. Yep. And you're going to. Well, I'll name a player. You tell we'll me write where it they down, right? end up. Yep. We'll write it down and maybe we'll make a game out of it. Um, O'Reilly would be if we were to do that list right now. I'm not going to spoil the whole list. But if O'Reilly was on it right now, I would put Colorado and I would put the Devils for Meyer. But Carolina's Carolina. right there. Carolina's Carolina. right there. Because Carolina needs the offense more than the uh, New Jersey Devils do. They very well might. Uh, I think Chickering goes to the Kings. Oh, interesting. That's my that's my I'm saying like, Ottawa. Take. You think Ottawa would make a trade like for a guy? <laughs> I do. I, I don't know. I know they're they're not going to be like huge buyers because they're not going to make the playoffs. But I do think he, there's a potential of him going to Ottawa for some reason. That'd be sick. I think they're going to try and build up their defense. They already got – we see the offense they got. They don't really need anybody on offense. They could build up their defense a little bit, and I think adding Chickering will definitely help them for the future. And Ottawa's not dead. They got a foot in the grave, but they're not dead. They're 26-24-3 with 55 points, and they're seven points behind Washington for the final wild card spot with three games in hand on them. They have four games in hand on the Islanders and Panthers. And they've played one more than Buffalo and Detroit. I mean, I would have never thought Horvat went to the Islanders, right? Yeah. That's kind of like the same thing. I don't know. I expect I, – I don't know. We'll see. Ottawa's biggest problem isn't making up a seven-point deficit between them and Washington. It's jumping Detroit, Buffalo, Florida, yeah. New York, and Washington. It's hard to jump that many teams. Yeah. That would be interesting. All right, Frank. It is the moment you've been waiting for. It is America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. I legit think the Breaking Bad commercial was my favorite commercial from the Super Bowl. So funny. I think I would have liked it more if I knew the story and the characters. And... Yeah, you would. But I'll get there. Oh, yeah. You never thought I'd get this far with Thrones either. We're already in the season six. Hell, so, yeah. Um, Hell, yeah. So, two weeks ago on this show, I was sitting at 40%. Then last week, we won, like two weeks ago then, we won three out of four, which brought our total last week to about 44%, I think. And this, and then last week's breaking bets that I gave out, we swept the board. We went four for four. We jumped from 44% to 54.5%, back over 500, absolutely killing it. Can't believe we went four for four last week, but that was sensational. Back over 54%. Let's keep it hot. I got, I did, I'm debating three or four picks this week. I got four picks written down. I don't know if I want to say one of them. So I don't know. But we're going to start off with the first one is the Colorado Avalanche at the Minnesota Wild. I think there's tremendous value here with the Colorado Avalanche plus 110. Minnesota has struggled at home lately. I think they've lost two of their last three at home. Um, Colorado's been improving lately. 
I think the only reason Colorado's dogs, because obviously they're on the road, they haven't been that great this season, but I think this is a great spot to get them at plus money. You don't know if they start improving tremendously. I don't know how many more times you'll be able to get them at plus money this year because they're a threat. They're coming. So I think Avalanche money line plus 110. I think there's very good value for the Colorado Avalanche. Number two, college basketball. Number one in the world, or number one in the country, I should say. Alabama taking on number 10, Tennessee. Blockbuster college matchup. Potential preview for March Madness. These two teams may come face-to-face with each other. I'm loving Tennessee at home. Minus 159 on the money line to take down number one, Alabama. Alabama's on fire. They've won four in a row. Tennessee's been struggling. They've lost three out of the last four, including they lost their last home game to this team right here, Mizzou, um, by one point. I don't see them losing two in a row at home. They're 11-2 overall on the year at home. I mean, it just it seems like a great spot. They've been preparing for number one Alabama. They want to beat them for their pride. They know deep down how much it would mean to them to take down the number one team in the country. Great spot to do it after losing a, a heartbreaker by one to Mizzou. Um, money line, Tennessee money line minus 159. I, I love it. Even if you got to risk it a little more extra juice because of the little inflated line. I love it. I love it. So Tennessee money line. Uh, third pick is, and maybe the final pick is the, uh, n- it is an NBA game. Miami heat are facing the, uh, Brooklyn nets. The nets had a fire sale in the, within the past couple weeks. They got rid of, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. That team has seen better days. They did get some interesting picks in return, though. I still don't hate their team, and the Heat are dealing with a lot of injuries still. I said that last week. They are still dealing with a lot of injuries as well, unless that was a couple weeks ago. Um, But because of all the injuries they're facing and the uncertainty of who will play and who will not play, and they're on the road, I think there's some good uh, home value in taking the Nets' money line at minus 108. I like their team. It's not as good as it was, but I still like their team. They got the talent. I think some of the other guys who didn't get enough playing time because they were shadowed by Durant and Kyrie Irving, I do think that they will potentially, you know, we'll see their greater potential come out here. I like the Nets money line at minus 108. And I just want to mention this. I'm not making a pick on this game. The Blackhawks are playing the Maple Leafs. This is the highest line I've ever seen in hockey. The Maple Leafs are minus 560. If you look on the ESPN app, they're minus 650, which is because Austin Matthews is making his return tonight. That's ridiculous, though. If anything, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a pick of mine, but if anything, you got to either throw a little something on the Hawks, even if you think they're going to lose, just because it's outrageous. They're plus 400, which is just unbelievable. Or even two and a half goals on the Blackhawks, which is still. If you take them plus two and a half, it's minus 107, which is just unbelievable. That's like a normal line, plus two and a half goals. It's not, I'm not picking it. It's not one of my picks, but I just to mention it because it's like something unreal like I've never seen before. It's just unbelievable. There you have it. That It doesn't make much sense to me. What? It's like I don't get why the line is that big. You, you, can't, you can't take Toronto. Yeah, no. You would have to risk – you could bet a thousand dollars on Toronto, and you would win less than two hundred. The risk is not worth the reward. Yeah, no. But you could bet twenty five dollars on the Blackhawks and make a hundred bucks. 
Like it, it seems like there's just value just to throw out there. If you're okay I just, with potentially losing the money, I think there's there's no value in Toronto. I just don't get it from a hockey point of view either. That like, is that what it's like when the Devils play the Blackhawks? No, is that like what it's the like? Devils like, were in like, like the high twos, low threes. I think. Why the Leafs and why the Hawks? I think because Austin Matthews is making his return. Every team has elite players, though. I I don't agree with it. It's weird to me. There's no value whatsoever. <laughs> $56 would win you 10 bucks. There's no value there. They, I'm not risking $56 to win, net me 10 bucks. There's just yeah. no value there. Uh, that's that's wild to me. Cuz like watch, there's watch the Hawks will win and I'll be like all uh, that'd be unbelievable. I feel like the Bruins weren't that big of favorites. No, they weren't. It's this maybe. happened many years ago with the Houston Astros. They were home against the Detroit Tigers. And Verlander was pitching, and it was one of the biggest lines in MLB betting history. The Astros were like minus five sixty, or something like that, similar to this. Astros lost. All the people, I get to lock Verlander at home against That's the Lone even Tigers. dumber. In, it's even dumber in baseball. <laughs> Baseball's the least lock of a sport there is. And the Tigers ended up winning, and they were like plus four something, just like the hot. It was unbelievable. Like, Good. there's just no value in that. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, he's secretly thrown, not counting towards your little. I'm not doing it as part of this. Is that? Yeah, you know, you're not doing know. it as part of this. But are you throwing a little some some on the hot? If you don't, know. if you don't, and the Hawks win, you're gonna be mad as fuck. That's a conversation I had with Joey on Super Bowl. Joey's like. I kind of feel like I'm losing out on money if I don't if I think something's gonna happen and I don't do it and it ends up happening. You know, what I, I mean? had I had AJ Brown anytime touchdown score in on the app, and you didn't do it. I clicked the X, and, and it happened. Not and only did it happen, it happened less than ten minutes later. And and doesn't it like it feels like you lost? Yes. <laughs> There's like. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. I hate when that happens. Truly. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Well, that's our show. We had a wonderful time recapping Super Bowl LVII. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions of the world by a final score of 38 to 35, a game winning field goal over the NFC's champion, the Philadelphia Eagles. We are excited to see both of those teams and the rest of the NFL enter the offseason in which Frankie and I's Chicago Bears do, do hold the number one overall pick. And then we have other teams we cheer for along the way as well. Frankie really likes himself, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've become a big can, or a New England Patriots guy over Tom Brady's career. Obviously, the Bucks. We'll see what happens with them going forward as well. The Tom Brady teams, the Chiefs. You know, the whole connection with fan-sided, that's fun to watch. I love my Jaguars, who I'm covering for fan-sided. Um, see what happens with Burrow and the Bengals. You know, my LSU Burrow love. So, very excited for all these NFL storylines in the offseason. And then in the NHL, the trade deadline looms large. It's the nitty-gritty portion of the season for a lot of these teams. And pitchers and catchers officially reported to spring training today. So, make sure you report to southsideshowdown.com to read all of my Chicago White Sox stuff and thewindycity.com for all of my Chicago Cubs stuff in addition to Blackhawks and Bears as well. Of course, black and teal for the – Jacksonville Jaguars coverage, and then all my NHL coverage can be found. Blackhawks at the Windy City, Devils at Pucks and Pitchparks, and the rest of the league as a whole at PuckPros.com. Frankie's entire catalog of articles can be found at apptrigger.com of the fan-sided network covering everything and anything video game related. Frank, 
What do you got coming up? Well, I think the hottest thing right now has been Hogwarts Legacy. It's been every the, the big talk in the video game world. I, I mean, everybody's been playing it. People who love Potter, people who don't love Potter, people who just like RPG games in general are, are getting it. it. It's just it's it's phenomenal the amount of positive support this game has gotten. Like, I don't think they would expect it. It was the number one single player game streamed on Twitch in Twitch history. Which people have to think about that because they're like, what about Elden Ring? Well, no, Elden Ring had multiplayer in it. It doesn't count. It's like single player only. That To me, that's unbelievable. People are loving it. A lot of content on Hogwarts Legacy I've been putting out. I think I've written five guides for the game um, for it already. So if you want to read all that. Um, other than that, anything else? I mean, I wrote about the Mario baseball game. I told you about that last week. That came out. Um, you could read that. Um, just just a lot of different things right now. Um, so if you want to go read any articles on video games, go to apptrigger.com to find all my content. Very good. Looking forward to it tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk. We will be getting the Major League Baseball season officially underway as Major League Baseball's pitchers and catchers have recorded. A lot of hitters showing up early, too, in the World Baseball Classic coming up here in a couple weeks. So we're going to be keeping an eye on Team USA and all the other popular teams in the baseball community. So I hope everybody tunes into that as well. Starts tomorrow, 2 p.m. Central. Can't wait to see everybody talking some baseball. Frank, it's been a good show. Everybody in the chat, I can't thank you enough for joining in and watching slash listening as always. And we hope everybody has a safe, fun incredible rest of the weekend weekend go out and see ant-man and the wasp quantumania frank and i will be joining each other to watch it tomorrow very excited to give a review on that coming up next week and as always thank you for listening